I want to start something new this morning for uh, a time or two, and I'm going to call it your faith. Excuse me. I'm going to call it the measure of your supply. So I'd like for you to turn to a, a scripture, you know, well, Philippians chapter four. I want to welcome you if you're online this morning. This this word is going to change your life if you'll receive it. If you'll put a draw on it, it'll change your life. We we are only interested in ministering things that are life changing. We do not want to take anybody's waste anybody's time. I said we are not here for no reason. We only come to this pulpit or have someone come to this pulpit that have a life changing word. So it's up to you. It's up to us to bring it, but it's up to you to receive it. And you can do that this morning. Philippians chapter four. Let's look in verse 19 and let's read it together. Ready, read. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Yay. Let's uh, read it again in first person. But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So the life of faith, the faith in your life is what supplies all your need. We don't pay much attention to people that whine and carry on and lament and criticize other people because they are poor. They don't have anything. Of course, until they get the word about that, that we we want to help them. But once you've been here for a while and you find out it's not up to God, it's up to me. It's my faith. People that are poor in the world are not poor because they're in a poor area or they're in a poor under a poor regime. Uh, They're poor because they don't believe God's a faith God. So if he went to the poor only just because they're poor, he wouldn't be in America. He'd be somewhere else. And there's lots of places to be. So a lot of people don't think it's fair. They disparage America. They disparage our culture and our relative prosperity because they think it's not fair. And everybody should have a piece of the apple or a a chance to prosper. And I'm telling you, they do. We deal with countries, churches in other countries that have this same idea about American culture that if they could just get to America, they could get into the good life. I tell you, there's a lot of Americans in uh, this nation that don't have the good life. And yet there's people in other countries that are relatively poor that are millionaires. Well, it's what you do with the word of God. The word of God is 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 the key. Uh, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow to it. So um, uh, verse uh, 10 and 11 in the Amplified says this. It says, not that I am implying well, let's let's read it first in Philippians. Let's go back to verse 10. Excuse me. I, I got ahead of myself there. Let's read in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Paul says to the church at Philippi that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. He said you were mindful of me, but you didn't have a way to do it. Not that I speak in respect of want. Here it is. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am wherewith to be content. Happiness is learned. It's not based on who did what to you. It's learned. I've, I've given to a bunch of people that uh, they got happy for a moment, but they went right back to their sorry state, their disparaging state. Uh, happiness is learned. I've decided to be happy. 
And no matter no matter what's going on, I'm I'm a happy fella. And he said, I've learned for I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. The word content there means to be sufficient. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. Let's say that together everywhere and in all things. Everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now that verse means a little different when you get it in context than something that, uh, that Christians that don't know the word, don't know the kingdom, don't know the character of God sling around and say, well, here I am. But it means that you decide some things. Then, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated. The word there is gave or ministered with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Hallelujah. I think that's that Romans 8, that 1, 8 church where your, your, your giving or your faith is known. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Well, we could stay there for a little while. But I have, I have all. The word there is a little vague there. It means, but I have received all and abound. Have you ever thought of anybody that's received all and they're not abounding? Abounding doesn't depend on how much you receive. Abounding is an attitude. Abounding is a perspective. Abounding is an assessment. You look at yourself and say, are you, are you poor or are you rich? Are you full or are you empty? Are you happy or are you sad? Well, if you have to go check your bank account, you might not know one way or the other. Amen. He said, so I have received all in abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need. Now he's speaking to these Philippians, isn't he? I said he's speaking to these Philippians. He's outlined why my God shall supply all your need. And then he says, because of that, God can do this. So would you say, would you agree with me, maybe about our own lives at some time in the past, that God was apparently not supplying all of our need? We would look at lack and shortage and dearth and, and we'd say, wow, this isn't so good. If God's supplying all my need, well, we, we need to pony up here on what the definition is. But we have this definition of the verses before that that determine how God can supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to read verse 10 in the Amplified. Not that I am implying that I was in any personal want. For I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. So Paul said, I really don't have any want. He said, I've learned to be satisfied with whatever I have. Now you could say, 
that if you were in a mansion with 17 bedrooms or if you were in a little bungalow that had one, but you were by yourself and you could only sleep in one bed at a time, you'd say that those 16 extra bedrooms were just a waste and it did not satisfy or inure you to anything. One was enough, but there's 16 more. But what difference does it make? That's what Paul's saying. We could stack it up. We could add it on. We could put it around there. But the, the way that we're made, our bodies and our soul, is that you are happy and you can't get happier by having more or experiencing more pleasure. You could be as happy sitting in front of a sunset as you could be eating caviar or whatever that stuff is on a, on a mega yacht. You, to measure it is not to say how much did you spend on it or who had to suffer to get it. It's a pleasure thing. It's a, it's a release of things into your heart, and it's a contentment, a satisfaction, where you say, I'm happy. You know, you, you could be married to some cheerleader that was the most beautiful girl in high school, and usually the football team captain tried to. But then you look at them now, and they're ugly as a mud fence. You go, what was that all about? You, you, miss, you, you miss shot here. You, you aimed at the wrong thing. Not always, but certainly that's a factor. Want is usually, in my idea, boredom. We're going to look in the word here, but want or need is usually boredom and anxiousness with wherever you are at that moment. Now, just tell me, if you were hauling water from the river two miles away, and that's all the water your house had, your hut had, and someone puts you in Alabama and puts you in a house with running water and gave you all the fixtures that go with running water, how happy would you be? You'd be comparing that to this and you'd go, this is a happy day. But how many of y'all know that there's a lot of people depressed and down and out that have running water and they have a little knob on the side of that machine that you push it and everything bad disappears? Hey, that's a great day. I'm telling you, that's a great day. Uh, you, we should be happy just for that. But we, we are relative. We compare that to other things. So I'm going to say, let's just study this uh, Philippians 4.19 out. I'm going to say that want is not satisfied with the supply. So you could be rich and you could be not satisfied. Or you could, be, you could have your children pull up under you every evening. And uh, after supper and put them in bed and you'd say, it doesn't get any better than this. So so a supply is not really the answer to a need. Uh, wants are generally, in my estimation, since it's since it's not a place or a status that you go, oh, they're that they're the king of, of something. They are satisfied. They're content. They're well but if you get into their life, they're often just tore up. And then you get somebody that has hardly anything. And they're just happy as a dead hog in the sunshine, as they say. Hallelujah. So uh, want it can be a distraction, always going after more. I said want can be a distraction, always going after more and passing by things that already satisfied it. I won't tell it today, but there's stories called... Uh, acres of diamonds where a man 
was so distraught and he uh, sold his land to go hunt for diamonds. This same story is with Sutter's Mill in California in 1848, where a man sold his property because he'd heard about gold being struck far away. And Sutter's Mill was one of the biggest gold mines that was panned out in that day. There's a story of a man in Pennsylvania before oil was known to be up there. He heard about oil in East Texas, and so he sold his property, and then they struck oil on his property, and it was... So, so you, the story is there. A lot of times happiness is right where we are. It's not to do with material things. Verse 12 in the Amplified says, I know how to be abased and live humbly in straightened circumstances. Straightened circumstances. Now think about it, sad times in your life. And then now we're past those sad times. They got reconciled. They got dealt with. And uh, you're happy now. But it was a sad day during that sad time. But all of it got reconciled. In other words, it didn't change your potential to be happy now. You went through something that was sad, but really what was the use of that? He said, uh, I, learned, I know how to be abased and live humbly in straightened circumstances, and I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. So it's not like abundance is a curse. The more you have, the worse it is. Let's all get poor. That's what religion says as they drive up in their Cadillac. We all ought to live humbly and, you know, and they try to get the preacher, try to get his salary down. I won't go anywhere with that. Hallelujah. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency enough to spare, or going without and being in want. Now, that's a unique place, Christians, family. That's a unique place that we can't tell what's going on in your circumstances by talking to you. You're just the happiest boy and girl there is. We don't even know you are, you are all but under the bridge. We don't even know that you're fighting everything in your, in your heart to hold back the tears, because, but you've been overcome with happiness because Jesus is Lord. There's always a way out. There's always a way to win. We're just going through a little rough patch here, but we are skating through. We're coming to it to go through it. And this is no big deal. Everything is turning out amazing. Yes. But it's a weak Christian. It's, a, it's an immature Christian. It's a soulish Christian. Very in touch with their emotions. Very cognizant of how they feel. How do you feel? Well, I feel like I'm happy or I feel like I'm not happy. No, that's not, that's not the measure in the kingdom. We, we've been translated out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's not how we measure. So family, we shouldn't be able to tell that you're going through a hard time. You ask us for prayer, but when you do, we all have the victory. We're not talking about what somebody did us wrong or how, how it feels or, or what it looks like. They're laying off everybody at the plant, and we, we got bills and all that. What has that got to do with anything? Because we're not living in that world. We're not living in that realm. We're, we're, we're in this world, but not of this world. And so when you find people that are unhappy and distraught and discouraged, you find them living of this world and, and affiliating and identifying with this world. 
And I'm telling you, this world will always let you down. It is one big disappointment. It is one big unfairness. There's so much injustice in the, this world, and you will always be disappointed in your life if we live according to that. Um, I'm going to skip up to the verse 19, and we're going to, uh, this in the Amplified, after he, after he said, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if we got something for supper or not. It doesn't matter if they like us or not. It doesn't matter what they said about me or not. It doesn't matter. Because then he said, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. And then it's parentheses, you know, the Amplified. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So have you ever wondered where you're going? So you'll know if you've arrived, if you'll know that you've tapped it out, you would know this verse right here. You'd say, that doesn't matter. This is what matters. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And if I'm having a bad day, I'm just letting my emotions rule and reign over me. And I'm telling you, they are a sorry authority over your life. They'll lead you to people that are having an emotional bad day and having trouble and They'll lead you to think wrong and you'll, you'll get discouraged. You'll get depressed. You'll, you'll think about things that Christians should never think about. Jumping off the bridge. The Amplified... Uh, uh, let's see where I am here. The Passion says... Uh, no, verse 19. I'm back in the Amplified. Excuse me here. My God will liberally supply... Fill to the full, fill to the full, say it with me, fill to the full. My God shall liberally supply, fill to the full your every need. And then there's something here, according. Wonder why I put that in there. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The Passion Version says, my God will full, fully satisfy every need you have. So we have to... Because we've all experienced lack and dearth and need and shortage. We've all been into the uh, season of where there wasn't seem, seemingly there wasn't enough to go around. And we're very consequent, consequent, consequence oriented. We always project the future if we let our soul take over. We always say, well, this is what this is, therefore. And it's what follows the therefore that determines if you're going to have a great day or not. It's this way. This is hard. This is tough. This is unfair. This is unjust. Therefore, I will not have this and will have to suffer for that or be without this. And that's just wrong thinking. So Paul said, it doesn't really matter. You can't tell what my day is going like, how my ministry is going, how people are treating me. He's the one that said they've stoned me. They've uh, left me in the depth. They've left me for dead. They've done all these things, he said, but uh, he said, uh, but my God shall supply all your need. Uh, he said in verse 13, I like this, I have strength for all things in Christ. So we're moving. We're changing our mind. Things that usually used to upset us and get us off and think temporal, think right now, think this is it, think this is a factor, think this is going to have a consequence in my life, those things are becoming weaker and lesser and more, more fade. Where we, where we discount this and we move to that. 
So if we're going to ask about this, my God shall supply all my need, we need to know what the word need is. And Amplified says every need. My God will supply or satisfy every need. What is every need? Because we've surely been through times where we would, we would have to be honest with our head to say, it didn't happen. Uh, maybe eventually or maybe we could give God a religious past that says God in his wisdom knows what we really needed. And he just brought us what he thought was best. That's a bunch of, what can I say that be, junk mess, that's good, that, you saved me. <laughs> uh, the word need means just what you think it does. It means necessity, it means employment, it means a lack, a use, or a want. So there's nothing wonderful about that. Shall supply means to complete, means to perform, to execute, just what you'd think. But then there's this word according. And we see here that the disbursement or the flow or the transaction is according to a definite measure. So in other words, there's something involved that will measure out my God shall supply all of your need. But then we'll come back to that. But uh, according to his riches in glory. Well, spiritually speaking, religiously speaking, They'll always tell you that's spiritual, that's spiritual riches. But the Greek doesn't lie, it doesn't fib. It's the word there, his riches, means wealth, literally money or external possessions. Doggone, if God didn't just go right past that and just say, I mean what I mean. I said what I mean, and I mean what I said. And, uh, and of course, the word in glory in Christ Jesus means his magnificence, his splendor, his brightness. So let's go back to this word need, because we need to know this as Christians. This morning, we all gave a marvelous offering. Could I have a better amen? I hope your offering was marvelous, not by how much we measured it by, but that you, there was faith behind it. And Kimberly had us raise our offering and proclaim, confess, agree with God about the consequence, the transaction of what we were doing at that moment. That I'm doing something here that's transacting business for something there. I've got $100 in my account and here's, here's $100 and I'm transacting business. I better be in faith or, or have somebody to take me out to lunch. How about that? Hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, the word need there is more than our experience. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's more than that experience of shortage, lack, and need. And it's more than suffering. Well, I'm going through a rough patch right now. I, I, you know, I just don't have enough. And it's, it's hard. They're calling or they're dealing with me or they're threatening me or I can't pay this or whatever. All that would be suffering that we would say. Uh, I want to remind us all about 2 Corinthians 9, 8. That he said we have all sufficiency in all things and that we abound to every good work. All sufficiency in all things. Now that, I don't know how in English you'd say all of it better than that. All sufficiency in all things. 
You might try to untangle that and try to make it, well, well, it means this and that. But all sufficiency in all things that you might abound in er to every good work. It's kind of a lawyer's argument that they have to say that, that you know, you write that on a will or a contract and you say that that's pretty much unbeatable. Um, so let's think about this based on the word here, based on just what the, the word says. Um, my need is no less than the supply of his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, to tap him out, I'm going to have to go past his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Has that ever happened? It's never happened. It will never happen. So when you get to thinking, well, I want to leave enough with God to help other people. You'd have to say, son, you don't have a clue about his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You, you, if you'd say, well, I don't want to be greedy and grabby and, and get all mine, and I hadn't been that good, but I do believe God now, and so I'm not going to take it all. Or if he doesn't give it, I'll be satisfied. You don't know what his riches in glory in Christ Jesus are. It's the whole kingdom. That They say this word means that if he doesn't have what you need, he will create it to meet your special and specific need. That's pretty much all sufficiency in all things. It's, it, there's no wiggle room for God to get out of that. So let's go back to his need. Supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What is my need? What is heaven's perspective about my need? Because why would he say in Korea or Cambodia or Australia, anywhere else besides here, why would he say to them that uh, a bicycle was affluence, was upper class, and in America, if all you had was a bicycle, you might be considered to be on hard times. But it's still the same bicycle, so it's perspective. So we would say that the supply is according, listen, the supply is according to what God has assigned you to do. Now let's fish that out. God always funds the assignment, known or unknown. He funds the assignment. We say, and I think it's in the word uh, borne out, that God always finishes what he starts. But he's not obligated to do anything about what we start. He's merciful. He'll get us out. He'll rescue us. But it's not over the top by any means if we start it, if we have our own big idea. We have our own uh, ego and our own reputation on the line, and we have other motives that are in there. So the bigger your assignment, listen, the bigger your need. So why does somebody believe in God, get a bicycle, and somebody believe in God, get a pickup truck. Well, it's totally based on your assignment. Not only your assignment, but the assignment that you know about, the assignment that you accept, the assignment that you embrace, the assignment that you acknowledge, that your need is not just a check full of money, because why wouldn't he give you a 17-bedroom mansion? If it's just wide open. But it's according to his riches in glory. What is his riches in glory? My assignment's in that, that riches in glory. 
It's, you know, because you know gold is not a big deal in heaven. They're walking on it. They're driving on it. They're, they're cutting holes in it to make a manhole cover or whatever they do over there. So it's not just money or diamonds or gold. It's not 17-room mansions. It's got everything to do with you and me. Heaven is for you and me. God's inviting us into his home, and we have that promise that he's building a mansion. According to who you were here, he's building you one there. Well, who's here? The rich and the famous? Who, who gets the big spot in, in heaven? It's according to our assignment that we accept, acknowledge, and pursue. So the more revelation I have about my assignment, the greater my true need is. So if I'm an evangelist, for instance, uh, I might need an airplane to go here and go there. If you're one of those evangelists, a true evangelist, we're not, we're not just lumping everybody that that that's, can borrow a Bible. We're, we're talking about somebody that's got a call on their life and they know it, and they have the need of a jet. And there's much criticism about these evangelists and their, their $8, $10, million, $15 million jets, what they need. We're not judging that. They could, they, could they get along with a rock, uh, a, a rock, uh, a rock skipper, something that just kind of got them here to there? They could. But you could probably get along with less in your house, too. As we throw a rock at them, we might ought to acknowledge that we didn't need the latest and the greatest, and we didn't need two of these. And, uh, you know, if I told you how many shirts I have in my closet, you'd go, yeah. but, but they're there, and I'm not apologizing for them, not one bit. So my need is based on my revelation of my assignment, my willingness to take it on. So if I'm this evangelist and I need a jet or a plane or whatever, God would fall for that. He would say, I'm going to supply your need, Mr. Evangelist, because I need you in Africa, and I need you in Europe, and I need you in Australia. I need you in Canada. I need you there, and uh, that's how we're going to do it, because i got plenty of supply. So why would I care if your assignment's there? Now, if, if, if you are just a, a moderate Christian, and all you want to do is be in a maintenance church, a maintenance church is a church that completely just services the people in the church, just, just has services because we're a church and churches have services. And there's nothing outside of that. Well, then your need is not too good. So you might have a little of a, of a limitation in going to God and saying, I need a jet too. You gave Brother Doodad that, I need one. Now here as, I, as a pastor... If I have a gift in me and I know my assignment, I don't need a jet. I, I don't even want one, I can tell you. But I need a building to fund my assignment. So according to his riches and glory by, by Christ Jesus, there's a building for Michael Billings and for River Church. I'm, I'm just putting me in there. We're all together. But say there's a building. According to his riches in Christ Jesus, there is a building in Tuscaloosa for us. There's a property. And it's according to our assignment in this city, in this state, in this nation, how we're going to be funding. Supply all your need. What is your need? Well, tell me your assignment and I'll tell you your need. If you don't know your assignment, you don't have a need. 
because money to live, the, the, the most, the most indigent, poor people that are out there, they just want a place to sleep and, and, and breakfast and supper the next day. That's, that's their assignment, is living, surviving, just getting to the next day. So there's not a 17-bedroom mansion for them. I don't need one, so there's not one for me. I don't know anybody that needs one, but you get the point. It's just extravagance, but if you had the need of it. So we need greater boldness about our assignment if we want God to fund us. Now, giving is a form of acknowledging your assignment. Because you have say, I have need of increase. I used to be this. We used to have a, you know, a little house here. We've all lived in a, in a one of those or a, a, a half of those or whatever. We all have a story of starting out, yeah. at least in this church. You, you may online, you may have started out in a million dollar deal that daddy gave you, but we did not. And so we all have a story of increasing and we're giving, we're sowing, we're planting, we're 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 transacting our future. Because we can't all do our transaction, do our future, do our assignment right now. So we're sowing towards it. I want to do more, Lord. I want to have more so I can do more. I want to be more so I can do more. And we transact the future. Now, some Christians get mixed up and they just they just give in order to personally get. It's all about them. They have no assignment. They just are trying to work the system. And, you know, we can't judge that. That's just, but that's not how it works. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13, would you? Are you all okay with this? Proverbs chapter 13. I, I want to teach River Church. I want the Lord to teach us how this money thing works. Because money is big in the kingdom. It's not big to God, but he put us down here in a system of money. We're, we're, we're working by money. And, and he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's trying to get us our heart in the right place so our treasure will easily be attracted to where our heart is. Did y'all get that? If we get our treasure in the right place in the kingdom, he'll fund the kingdom. But if you get your treasure in racetrack driving and liquor and Whatever people do, I'm not even, it's not even, maybe just, just, you want to just go to church once a week and do your spiritual duty. Well, that's, that's what you're, he's funding. He's funding that. It says in chapter 13, we're going to talk about this Wednesday, but I want to, I want to bring it in. Verse 22. Look what the word says. This is amazing. A good man, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Doesn't mean that he bypasses his children. It's not what that means, that he's jumping. That's what some people think. But anyway, we won't go there. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Say it with me. And the, the of the sinner is laid up for the just. One more time. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Well, what is wealth? Wealth in the sense of a sinner is accumulation. Isn't that what we say someone's rich? We say they've accumulated. They have a, uh, a net worth. They have a bank account. They have 
assets. They have those things. Um, but in the kingdom, it doesn't mean that. Now, this is a great mystery in the kingdom, and I don't, you just have to judge it, but this is what I believe. I believe that prosperity is supply on demand. That's what we do with our bank account. It's in the bank. It's, your, it's got your name on it, but they've got your money. If you put a thousand little one dollar pieces of uh, green paper in there, they've got it. And you got records and you got a checkbook, but if they say no, <laughs> it's, it's in their hands, isn't it? But prosperity for the kingdom of God is supply on demand. So whenever I need it, I can get it. Why would I need it? It's part of my assignment. What is my assignment? It comes by revelation. Revelation. It comes by joining yourself to Holy Ghost that says, here's where we're going. I can't tell you much more than this because it'll wreck you. It'll throw you off. It'll, it'll make you get excited about the wrong thing. But I'll tell you how far we can go with you being in agreement with me. And if you go that far, then when you get that far, you'll know how to believe me or how to agree with me or how to jump into your assignment for the next stage. And that's how your life has been. Now, sometimes we ignore what he shows us. We just say, ah, yeah, all right. Little old me can't do that as if he only picks big old me's. You know, go look at how he chose his disciples. You go, well, that, that wasn't too spectacular. He had a lot of trouble with most of those boys. Thomas gave him, you know, and, and Judas, that wasn't too good. Matthew, she read about uh, the tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector. And uh, uh, Peter was a sawed-off shotgun. He... he, he, he <laughs> So he didn't go out and get the brightest and the greatest. And so we don't have to be the brightest and the greatest. But we have to transact our assignment. And it's with humility that we do it. We say, God, how could this be? I know me. I know where I've been. I know what my failures as you do, Lord. And this thing that you're sharing with me, this revelation, how could it be? How could it go? How could it come to pass? And the Lord will back you down every time if you'll let him and say, it's not for today, but we want to take a step on this journey because I'm going to take you there. And that way he gets all the credit. Remember in the, in the word in the Gospels it, where uh, the Lord talked about it's harder for a rich man to go through a, a to, it's harder for a rich man to come into the kingdom than it is for a rope to come to go through the eye of a needle. And so they said, well, Lord, how can anybody go? Implying that they had some stuff. They're kind of concerned. You know, he says, if you've got over $100 and they're all sitting over there with a thousand, they're going, what about us? And uh, uh, the, the, the point there was, is he was going to take them somewhere. That day, that way they couldn't, they, it was beyond them. It was like, this is too big for me. He said, well, just sit tight. I'm going to walk you all through this for three and a half years and you'll see it. So I believe that prosperity is not accumulation in the kingdom. And we've been taught this differently. We've been taught. I, I wouldn't say that I've been innocent of that. 
And we, there's no harm there. There's no trouble there. But now we can just line up that you don't measure your prosperity by your accumulation. Now, there's nothing wrong with accumulation, but that's not what we're after. That's what the world's after. And I'll tell you, there's a, when it says the, the uh, when it says, uh, uh, I just said it a while ago, and adds no sorrow to it. Uh, yeah, uh, say it again, Joey. The Lord maketh us rich and addeth no sorrow to it. Uh, thank you. I don't know what happened to that little verse. Uh, so he maketh rich, but add no sorrow. But I tell you, accumulation has sorrow built into it. Because you've got to post a guard around it all the time and protect it from someone taking your rich. And then all of a sudden, with no rich, you're poor. And that's, they can't stand that. But we don't have that issue because we have prosperity on demand. Say it with me. Prosperity on demand. Well, how do you know that? The wealth of the sinner is stored up for us, the righteous. They've got it. And I, you don't have to put a, a guard or an alarm system around your wealth. They're doing it for you. That's all they got. That's all they have is what they can count. We don't have that problem. And I guarantee you they're guarding it. They're, they're, they're zealous about it. But they can't keep it. Wednesday we'll talk about other translations, but they can't keep it. It is yours, and God's having them hold it for you. So that when you pull the faith trigger, you pull the faith trigger and say, this is what we're doing. They just they just fumble it out. They just it just starts moving and coming to you. You go, that's kind of tricky. That's right. It is. The Lord has it hid for you and not even you can figure out how it's going to happen. That thing about rich Uncle Jack is he, he's feeling a little poorly lately. And so I think we're going to the Lord's going to bless us. That's not how it works. That's why you can have no potential inheritance. That's why you can have no potential endowment. And have a pathway to prosperity because nobody can figure it out. So if you've lost hope and said, ah, and I've heard this and you have too," someone says, not only did I not get an inheritance, I had to pay the bills. Happens all the time. But it has not limited you and me, not one iota. So what if you were going to have a job interview and you'd say uh, you, the, w what what they're going to ask you is, yeah, we like what you can do and we 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 think this is going to work. What kind of package do you need? And so there's the hinge, the, the tipping point of whether they're going to hire you or not is what you say about your package. And so you'd say, uh, you'd think, I got to keep this low because I really need this job. Are you all with me? That's how they would think. You, you're basically saying, I'll work cheap and I'll show you how good I am and I'll trust you to raise me up. Or you could say option two. So you could go high so that you at least had a good assessment of yourself, like I'm worth this. And they'd say, well, if he, he, he thinks he can get that package, he must think he's worth it. We'll hire him for that. But you always have to wonder if they didn't hire if you were too high or too full of yourself. So the question is always for asking for a supply that exceeds the need. God's not much into that. The world is, but we're not. 
He proves it all over the word like manna came. How often did it come? Like every day. Except twice one day and didn't come the next. But it came every day. That's his pattern. Now, we're not on manna, but we're absolutely on his system. So if you don't need anything, if you're not doing anything, if you have no heart for the future in God, you're just trying to accumulate and be like the world, but go to church. Well, then God bless you. And that's how it'll go. You'll struggle. You'll have setbacks. You'll have things. You'll cry out to God and uh, and you'll be disappointed. You'll say, well, how come this isn't working? Because you'll be giving in order to get instead of giving to enforce the covenant that you're in. That's why we give, because love gives. We can't help ourselves. We fell in love with him and love gives. For God so loved, he gave. We, we can't help ourselves. And if you're just giving in order to be in the system, well, pastor's not going to think much of me if he doesn't think I'm giving. Well, actually, well, you can't trust somebody that won't give. Because where their treasure is, that's where their heart. So you got to find out where their heart is, and money tells it all. When people join a church, money's the last thing that gets there. And when they're leaving a church, money's the first thing that goes. It's an extension of their soul. And until you use your, your revelation to get it out of your soul and make it a part of who you are in here, we can't help ourselves. I, I would not tithe, not because of anybody caring. Matter of fact, nobody in here knows what I tithe, except her. So I'm not, I'm not under that system. Nobody knows how much I tithe except the accountant. But I tithe. Nobody knows how much I give, but I can tell you I'm, I've always or usually been the biggest giver in the church. If you're wondering, if you're wondering if the walk and the talk are the same. So, it But I'm not proving myself to you. I'm just saying I'm going somewhere. And here's the key. There's plenty more where that came from. You put it in the offering. You, I picked up a, a, a man, a little old man. He, he was walking slow, but he was coming from Moundville yesterday. And I said, can I give you a ride? And he said, well, I'm just going right there. Well, I said, get in. Let me, let me take you. Well, that little right, I'm just going to go right there, was six miles later. Over the, it was everywhere. And, but I was so glad I got to sow me into that little man because it was a long ways. Well, I want somebody to sow into me. I want somebody to help Deborah Ann if she's ever on the side of a road or, or whatever. I, I'm always sowing what I want. How about you? So the same thing, that scenario, I, I didn't finish it, that you would, you would go in and they'd say, what kind of package do you need? That's exactly how it is with us and the Lord. If you, don't have an, if you don't have an opinion of yourself, if you're going to say, I'll work cheap, guess what? You'll work cheap. Because if your assignment is no more, well, God, it don't take nothing to fund me in the kingdom. I'm not doing nothing. Excuse my English, but uh, I'm not doing anything. Then that's what you'll have. And that's what almost all Christians have. But I tell you, I'm like uh, Buddy Harrison, Brother Hagen's son-in-law. He, he lived on 10% and gave 90 
And I'm not saying that's a, a, a good thing or not. I'm just saying he said, I was in a meeting when he, when he said it, it takes a lot of cash flow to live like I live on 10%. You've got to have a million dollars come through to live on 100000 I like that. If you really believe there's plenty more where that came from, and we'll know it by your giving. Not that I know it, but I mean, you, you could set your case before somebody and say, I'm a high-demand high Christian. It takes a lot to get me down the road because I've got a big assignment on my life. So it's my assignment. It takes a lot of money to fund my dream. Y'all have no idea where I'm going, who I am, and what I'm doing. If you just know me by the flesh, which, you know, the Lord Jesus says, no, no, no man by the flesh, but after the Spirit. I mean, it was Paul, excuse me. Uh, you wouldn't know who I was at all and why I do what I do and, and what I preach and wh what's going on. It's, this isn't it. This isn't it. What we're doing right now, this is not it. We are just passing through this portal of time at River Church, moving towards who we really are. But we're having to pass through this time in order to get there because there's no shortcuts. There's no way around. There's stewardship and there's also revelation of the demand. It takes a lot of money to fund Michael Billings. I'm living on way less than what it takes, but I've got an assignment on me that's way out there and it's going to take a lot of money. But I'm not thinking about it at all because it will be there. There's plenty more where that came from. I did not mean to share all this with you this morning, but I'm just telling you, if you want to put your life in perspective, if you want a revelation of why things are going like they are, they're exactly just. Whatever you're experiencing, saying, well, I don't get this because, but it must be because I had to take care of somebody or my car broke down. That has nothing to do with it. Right. Nothing to do with it. It's all above that. The world, their car broke down, but we don't live down there. And so it's assignment. What's your assignment? So you give, you don't have much money, so you give the, 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 the speaker, you give him $10. Well, yay, we're glad for $10. Just happened to know that you thought that was where it was going, that there wasn't plenty more where that came from. In other words, you could afford it. I hate to talk about giving, but let's just talk about it. If you can afford your giving, then, you're, then God is supplying all your need according to you affording it. That is his riches and glory by Christ Jesus to you is, I got this, Lord. I just happen to have a little tin right here and we can put that in. I was saving it for a Popsy Cola this week, but we'll just put it in there today. Special needs, special seed. <laughs> you don't know what people are giving. You don't know. I don't know. We none of us know. When people put a hundred dollar bill in it, you don't know if that was all of it or if they got 10 gazillion of it at home and they just were tipping. So if you're just tipping, let's get off on tipping. If you're just tipping God, God bless you. We're cashing your check. We're cashing your check and we're putting it on the electric bill. We are. But if you believe there's plenty more where that came from, I am managing the kingdom of God. And he's told me just exactly what she said this morning. 
If you can't be trusted over stewarding the kingdom of God in your life with your job and your expenses and you don't ever have anything left over for God, then you're you buried. You put your your seed in a napkin. And you go, well, how come I don't have anything? Because that which you think you have has been taken and given to the man, the person that had it, that gave the hundred, the thousand. So every once in a while, I'm fixing to quit because I start the car, darling. I, <laughs> that's what Joe Morris would say. Uh, uh, every once in a while, we ought to all, at whatever level you are, but let's just say a thousand. You ought to never be able to say, I never gave a thousand. Well, now you might say, but I'm waiting on pastor to get up and say, oh, we're about to go under. This thing looks tough. Where are we going to go now? And you'll give the thousand and you'll be a hero because we'll all say, oh, Johnny Bob saved us. Well, that's not how the kingdom works. I mean, we're glad that Johnny Bob saved us. But that if he hadn't sent it that way, he'd have sent it another way. So you ought to have a life that you at least say whatever you've never given. Bless God, that figure's going down. Every once in a while, we just pull a that. No, nobody pulling. Nobody saying this is the moment. Or and and we did that with Sunday Gar, and everybody kicked in. Every, it was glorious. It was marvelous. But sometimes you ought to just have a. This is the thousand dollar week, and we're just going to say there's plenty more where that came from. And isn't that what that says? There's plenty more where that came from. Instead of saying, you know, we, this is this is for this is for juniors college and we, you know, and and so ah, go sit down, go sit down. You're in the way. We got kingdom business to transact here and you're in the way. We're going to we're going to cash your check and we're not we're not making fun of you. We're just saying you're not ready for prime time. And the Lord's looking for them that have said. I'm bought with a price and not my own. I personally am a money manager for the kingdom. I intend to handle a million dollars. I intend to. I, you go, well, that must mean this. You, you don't have any idea what it means because I don't have any idea what it means. I have no idea. But money is everywhere. I said money is everywhere. Say it with me. Money is everywhere. Then we'd have to say, well, what's that have to do with anything? The wealth of the sinner is stored up for me. Yes. For me, for me. Well, who is me? It's whoever that accepts their assignment. I'm a money manager for the kingdom. Well, what does a money manager for the kingdom need? Money. <laughs> so money cometh to me because I'm a money manager. I've already told him what I'm going to do with the money. I got plans out there for hundreds of thousands of dollars that when I see it, when I when they put my name on it, I already know where it's going. And it's not going into a new house or a new car or anything. We're not going to be putting diamonds on the girl. We, we That's not our assignment. It's not my assignment. It's not your assignment. It may not be that you got the million dollar thing, but maybe you got the something else thing. Maybe you got the five hundred dollar thing. You ought to have something. Because my God supplies all of your assignment according to his riches, according, according to the level of, to the degree of his riches, his, his response as the steward that she read this morning. According to your stewardship, 
He supplies that need. He'll, he'll always meet your assignment. You go, well, what if he doesn't? Well, what if you're going to hell? What if you can't cast the devil out? What, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, there's a whole, we got to get everything on the table because it's all there. If it's one thing that where I'm born again, I'm going to heaven. If that's there, then he supplies all my need ought to be there. Instead of I'm afraid. You old scaredy cat you. Now, Mark chapter, we're, we're leaving. Mark chapter four talks about four kinds of soil and only one was good. So this message or this kind of message Three out of four people traditionally will just say, whatever, whatever. Or they'll say, that was good, that was good. And next week you'll say, what did he preach? It was good. So I would encourage you to, to be good ground and let the Lord tell you what I'm saying is true or not true. Meditate it. Put it, on the, put it up there and say, we're going to talk about this again. Because it'll change your life. What you do with your money will change your life. Oh, God don't care about money. Sure he does. It measures everything. Amen. I think we should sing a song. You're all born again. You're all spirit-filled. You're all healed, whole, and healed.